reminds me of the psalm. I go right to that psalm where it says, where it tells us, it talks and it says, if it had not been for God who was on our side. How many of you know God's on your side? Amen. If you don't know where that song comes from, it comes from Psalm 3. Psalm 3. Listen to what it says. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. And the lifter of my glory and the lifter of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy heel. How many of you know God hears you when you cry out to him? He hears you. I like that part that says, when my enemies come in, when they're coming at me from every side, when I don't know whether I'm going right or left or backwards or forwards, it says, thou art a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. Amen. You can hold your head up high this morning. The Lord has your back. Amen. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, the Lord has your back. If you'll turn in your scriptures to Revelation chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to get right into the word this morning. This is Food Truck Sunday. You know how it works. This is 2019. Get with the program. We used to have dinner on the ground. Everybody bring a covered dish. And man, it was so awesome. We'd all go back to the fellowship hall. And we'd have them corn and beans and coleslaw by Sister Wilson and we just have everything all everything so good these days you know we can't do that last time the very last time in Liz who loves Liz Ambergy don't you love Liz Ambergy Liz they sent Liz because the last time we had a big huge church dinner after church on Sunday morning we had people lined up for two hours trying to get food and they were lined up all the way back to the choir room. And by the time the last crew finally got up there, there was no food left. And she said, Pastor, we can't do this anymore. We're just too big. We got too many people. We can't do it. We got to find out some other way to do this. She goes, I know you love them cooked dinners. I said, Liz, I love those. I know. We'll have to figure out another way. Well, here we are in 2019. It's Food Truck Sunday. All right? We figured it out. So immediately after service, please hang around. Stick around. We're all going to be out there. I can't wait to get out there. Mark uh, Burger's got his truck out there, and he has promised me hamburger, french fries, and uh, some wontons. So I'm excited about that. But we, we wanna, we're going to share and spend time together and laugh and talk and get around to everybody. Don't monopolize anybody. Let everybody get around to everybody and just have a good time of fellowship. Don't go down to Frisch's and Wendy's. Just come to Stratford Heights Cafe. We're going to be right out here on the parking lot, and it's going to be fun. You're going to enjoy that. So I, I'm glad that you're going to be here. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. Everybody look at your mom. If she's here, smile at her and tell her you love her. Mine's in heaven. I love you, Mom. Next Sunday, Amelia Little will be speaking for us on Mother's Day. 
Isn't that going to be great? That's going to be awesome. We're excited about that. She's ready and anointed, and I'm, I appreciate her agreeing to minister to our moms and to all of us, every human. She'll minister to all humans next Sunday. We also have respite coming up. This is something, this will be our third go-round. Is it third or fourth? Third. So Sarah Sargent has led this ministry and done such a phenomenal job. Sarah, thank you for your vision for these families. I know that uh, Pastor Rick was telling me about how the Lord burdened your heart, how you were in Phoenix, Arizona, and you were just burdened and crying and seeing a ministry there, and God put it in your heart that that needed to come to Ohio. And so here it is. It's, it's with us now, and we're so excited to be able to minister to families with physically challenged children. We minister to their siblings, to the mom, to the dad, and, and it's a wonderful, wonderful night. Uh, you make friends with people, especially the little kids. They're so amazing. It's a great opportunity to minister to them. And so I'm appealing to you again, please, don't, don't sit back. Sign up. Sarah Sarah will do it all by herself. I know how she is. She can do that. But you're the one that's going to miss the blessing. You need to be here and be a part. And you need to sign up online or see one of them out in the lobby, either her or Missy Osborne, and they'll help get you signed up for respite. Here's what I don't want to do, and I need about three amens when I say this. What I don't want to do, I don't want Sarah and her team to ever have to tell a family that they can't come that night because we don't have enough workers. Can I get an amen? Oh, that was more than three. Good. So help us. Let's carry this vision on. This will be the third go-round, and we're going to keep doing it because this is a ministry to those families. And they are very important to us. And I love being a part of this ministry. So you sign up, okay? Everybody say okay. All right, I just got you 300 volunteers just then. Also, Debbie Beeler, Debbie and Doug, they're part of that whole wedding fiasco yesterday, that celebration. So Debbie, it's Debbie's son, Brandon, that married Debbie Gonzalez. Where's the Gonzalez's? You're here. You're here. They're here. I know uh, Raphael's on the Esther team, so we're excited about them. And... Uh, big wedding yesterday. More to come, lots of weddings this summer, so we're excited about that. With that said, let's get into the Word of God. We're still in our series, Heart for the House, Heart for the House. As the Lord has led us today, I want to look at Jesus, Jesus in the house. Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things say he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and you found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience. You've labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. I mean, so far the report card's good, right? Sounds awesome. Where's this church at? I want to go there. That's a great church. Ephesus, the Ephesus Community Church. Like it. Uh oh. Wait a minute. Verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you. 
You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. For this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Can you say amen? Lord, we ask your blessings on the word of God. And Lord, may I speak as an oracle of your voice, your heart to our people today. Move me completely out of the way and let the anointing of the spirit of God speak to us. Because this will affect change and life into our hearts. We give you praise for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I saw two folks visiting with us today. Not really visiting. It's for them, it's like just coming home. Bobby and, and Billy, not Billy, that's your, that's your daughter, Betty. Betty Downs. I've known Betty 100 years. Uh, would you guys stand? We're glad that you're back home today visiting with us, so thank you. They haven't been here for a long time, so saw you just a moment ago, and it's awesome. We're glad to see you today. Well, Billy's here. Where is he? Hey, 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 Billy, there you are. All right. Well, that's who, I was, that's who I've known forever, but Betty and Bobby, we're so glad to have you visiting with us, and Billy as well. Thank you for being here today. For you, like I said, it's you coming home because you were part of us. They, they used to serve and work in many areas in our church, and we're glad to see them today. You ever wonder what Jesus would say about Stratford Heights Church of God? <laughs> I, I wonder, I've wondered a lot this week, and I hope that's what he would say. What does he think about our worship? What does he think about, oh, our order of service? And worse this week for me to deal with was I asked the hard question, what do you think of our preaching? So we think about him being pleased. What would Jesus say about Stratford Heights Church of God? What would he say about what we do every week as we come together, we turn the lights on, and we, the choir gets ready, the instruments are all in place? What would Jesus say about our church? That's a sobering question, and it's not one for the weak. Those who have ego issues and insecurities, they don't ask those questions. What does the Lord think about your ministry, about what you do? I, don't, I didn't ask what does the church of God think. I didn't ask what does the pastor think. I didn't ask what all your little followers think. What does Jesus say about what you do? What does Jesus say about what you do? What does Jesus say about your relationship with him? When I started analyzing and looking at this, I've, I've had a rather emotional week. Because I didn't look at this lightly. I looked at this seriously and and I, I first really was broken in my heart and grieved in my heart because I wanted to know, Lord, what do you say? Brother Steve, are we pleasing God? Are we pleasing him? Are we doing, Sandy, what, what he required? When he said, I'm building my church, 
on the truth that he is Christ. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What church is that and are we that? In this Heart for the House series that we're looking at, the big question of the day, the question looming over us this morning is are we the church that Jesus is building? And what would he say about us? Would he be impressed by the things that seem to impress us? I'm amazed. I go to meetings a lot. I, I, I'm on the state council for the church. I'm a regional elder, as you know, over several churches. And I'm always meeting with pastors weekly. I'm constantly going, constantly going to Columbus to be in the state council meetings. I'm on the state missions board. I go meet with them. I'm on the chaplaincy board. I meet with them. All these things. I'm constantly meeting with ministers. And here's the number one question that I always get. Are you ready? Hey, how many are you running? And I've always kind of, got, I've gotten to this place where I, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be obnoxious. I don't want to be judgmental and condemnatory. But I usually will say, oh, there's, there's a bunch of beautiful, wonderful people over there. And we're just having church. Every now and again, they'll push a little more. Yeah, well, how many? Oh, just more than two or three. Because something got down inside my spirit, and I thought, that impresses man, but I'm not so sure that impresses God. Is he impressed with our building? Is he impressed with our facilities? Is he impressed with our church kids program? Is he impressed with our nursery? Is he like our youth program? Does he think it's fired up and really war, you know, warring young people into service for Jesus Christ? Is, is he pleased with our, our young adult ministries, our senior ministries? Is he pleased with our Sunday worship? Is Jesus pleased? Would he mention the size of our congregation? And if Jesus walked in here today, physically present, I'm talking, I know he's here in a spiritual way. He promised wherever two or three are gathered in his name, there he would be. But I'm talking if he manifests himself in the, in the flesh, and walked in the door of the lobby of this church, would he feel welcome? Would he be an insider or an outsider? Would he find a place to sit or be told, that's my seat? What would Jesus say? He were here today. You know, as a pastor, I kind of always hold my breath. This happened a few weeks ago. I'll meet somebody. I was in Kroger's, and I was walking up the aisle, and one, somebody walked up by me, and they looked at me, and they said, hey, you're Pastor Ray at Stratford Heights. I was like, well, yes, I am. He goes, hey, I visited your church last Sunday, and, and I was like, and? And it seemed like the span between that word and, and when he finished his sentence was a year. I was waiting for him to drop the bomb, to give me the good report, the bad report, the ugly report. I was waiting. You visited my church last Sunday, and what? And I won't tell you what he said. It was good. But... I know that that's 
something I, as a pastor, my, you know, I'm constantly, the staff will tell you, I, I'm that guy that's never satisfied. I'm constantly analyzing, constantly looking at our programming, constantly wanting to do better, be better, more excellent. I want to, I, I don't, I'm not satisfied. I, I can't sit and do us for and no more. I, I, I got to push the walls out. I got to, we got to keep growing. Healthy things grow. And if we're not growing, there's a problem. So I'm always praying, always meeting, always planning, strategizing, utilizing the gifts and talents of people of the church that I don't have those gifts. I appreciate people that are so gifted. I see Rhonda Johnson back here. That woman is a She's got this brain that's like a computer. She can just plan out something step by step by step. I just go to her and I say, I'd like to do this. And next thing you know, she's got a portfolio all planned out, everything down to the wire. Just, I love the gifts and talents that God brings together. I'm constantly moving forward. Lord, help us to be better. But I've been asking this very serious, hard question, Mary. Jesus, what do you think? Stratford Heights, and I found myself weeping. My prayer time this week, weeping. In the car on the way to church this morning for the nine o'clock service, weeping. God, do we draw the unchurched? Do we do we draw people that that, that need you? Are, are they coming in here and finding an answer to their problems? Are they finding the answer to life in here? Are they hearing? The truth. Are they hearing the gospel as Pastor Brian mentioned earlier? Are they hearing that? Are they receiving that? Is it given to them a way that they can grasp that? Lord, are we doing okay? And in my heart, the jury's still out because I want us to continue to do everything in our power to be better. To be what he wants for us. As vulnerable as this statement is, I can tell you honestly, I've already prayed it through, and this is my statement. I absolutely desire I desire heaven's feedback. I must have God's approval. I must. I can't, I, can't, I can't stand to not have that. It's something he's placed within me from the book a few weeks ago when I told you he's wrecked me and messed me up. It, uh, that 120-year-old Bible that we found, uh, our first pastor ever, 103, four years ago, used it as his Bible for studying. I, ever since I've gotten that Bible, I've been messed up. I've been lying. Lord, I'm carrying the torch right now. I'm kind of in that lead position here at the church, and I'm like, Lord, this is my season, my time when in history that will be marked. And will they say of us when we've come through and we've gone on, will they say there was a, a sense of revival, there was a church that was being built where they the church carrying on the generation of blessing that had been birthed in this church from 103, 104 years ago. Are they doing okay? As you see, I found some things out. What matters to you and I sometimes doesn't matter to God. The things that matter to you and I sometimes makes God sick. I want to know that we're doing right, and I want to know where we're doing wrong. In this text that I read to you this morning, it's really coming, I mean, this is 
amazing when you really look at it because we're going to Revelation chapter 2. We're looking at that first verse and we're understanding that this is Jesus giving a report card. It's Jesus giving a critique. He's looking at these seven churches. He's making a pastoral visit like a secret shopper type thing. He's just coming in and he's, he's literally examining and looking at the pastors, looking at, at the ministries, looking at the programs, looking at the order. He's looking at the churches and in and his work with seven of the churches in Asia Minor, he's analyzing, evaluating Critiquing, if you will. Seven different churches with seven different specific analyses that speak to every one of us and to every church 2,000 plus years later. He didn't need to go to eight churches, nine churches, ten churches. Seven, God's number, was enough. Within the pages of this scripture text and the ones that follow referring to the seven churches that he talked about, he gives instruction in it. He gives wisdom in it for us. And the very first church he went to was Ephesus. Ephesus, the Ephesus Community Church was one of the strongest churches in the movement. It was pretty famous. They had all the biggest, baddest pastors. They had, they had Paul was a pastor at the Ephesus church. Then when he got done building it strong, he put Timothy, his spiritual son, over that church and he pastored it. It, it, it. There's scripture that show you that Apollos pastored there for a while and even John came and took a, a time when he pastored that church. This was a big name church. This was a church that was a, a great church in the movement. It was doing a great work. Obviously Jesus said, look at all this you're doing. You, you got programs, ministry, you got all kinds of outreach. You're, you're good, you're teaching, your preaching is good because even in that you're able to discern the, the, the wolf that come along. You're able to discern the false prophets. You're, some, you're, you're a church that's got it going on. You're busy. Your calendar's full. You're having all kinds of activities and events. Man, it's 24-7, seven days a week. You're busy, busy, busy for the Lord. You're even doing it, it says, for the name of the Lord, for the names, for his namesake. You would think this is a great church, this is awesome, thank you for the great report, Lord. Secret Shopper, we get five stars, awesome, let's move forward now for a great 2019, except that right about the time that they're going, wow, you know, yeah, great programs, you know, pastor looks cool, yeah. Not even one amen, what's up with that? Programs, ministries, outreach, all kinds of, men, all teaching, preaching, great. Everything's great. The choir's good. The worship's good. Everything's happening. It's all fantastic. And then Jesus looks at them. This is the first church. Now, Ephesus is in, it's in like the New York City of churches back then. It was on a port city. It was the city, you know, the, the one of the seven wonders of the world. The Temple of Artemis was there. And it was Huge. It was like New York City. All Wall Street, the money, all the money, the marketplace, everything was in Ephesus. Ephesus was major. So major that there's one, there's a book of the Bible. Paul wrote to the Ephesians. His, his Ephesians letter was to them. They got their own, that church got their own part of the Bible, part of the canon. 
I mean, they were a growing big church. And yet they got to this place where, as Jesus analyzed all that they were doing, he said, nevertheless, I visited your church Sunday and nevertheless, I have this against you. You don't do it out of love anymore. You've lost your love. You've lost your intimacy for me. You say you do it in my name. You say you're a Christian. You say it's all for the church. You say a lot of things. But you've lost your love. There's no passion in your eye. There's no motive in your heart that matches my love. You've forgotten. You've forgotten the night that you got saved. You've forgotten what happened when, when conversion came to you and the scales were dropped from your eyes. You have forgotten what it was to be lost and then found. You've forgotten what it's like to be wretched and then set free. You have completely forgotten what it's like. You all kind of, you know, we, we make fun a little bit. I, I bring it up quite a bit, July 2nd, 1981. The reason I talk about it and laugh about it is because it's become a staple in what I do, who I am. Because that was the night that a dead boy came to life. That was the night that my life changed. That was the night that I, I sat there about to rip a chair open and, and standing there waiting for the minister to give the invitation. I didn't know if I was going to move or not. I didn't know if I was going to go or not. I was just standing there. And all I know was that heaven was pressing in on me. And the world was trying to hold me back. And this wrestling match was going back and forth for my soul. And in that moment, I'll never forget when I'm standing there and I'm shaking. I'm trembling under the power. Oh God, send conviction back to the house of the Lord. Standing there under conviction, I'm feeling the presence of God. I'm knowing that I've got need. I'm knowing I've got to change. I've never really given my life. Oh, I got saved at the revivals, and I got saved at the youth camp services, and I got saved several times. But I'm talking about that night, the commitment night, the night you died to self and you rose to new life in Christ, that night that made the difference. I didn't just make a confession. I didn't just say a simple prayer. I just didn't do it for somebody else. I'm talking about the night that heaven came down in the middle of my heart and made invitation for me to come to knowledge of Jesus as Savior. I'm talking about a night like no other night. That night. And I'll never forget the moment he said, if the Lord is speaking to you, get down here. And I was like, and I was like, what are you doing? Ray, what are you doing? You can't, what, what, what's going on? I'm hearing the enemy. No, stay where you are. No, your mom's staring at you. No, no. And God's saying, come. This is your moment. This is your time. 40 years down the road, you're going to be preaching about this on a Sunday morning. And I'll never forget when I went. I was like, oh my gosh. That's 
stepped out of my seat, and I'm walking, and I'm weeping, I'm crying. All of a sudden, I'm just bawling, and I get to the front, and I accept Jesus into my life, and it's filled with the Holy Spirit, and the power of God changed my life. In that moment, I'll never, ever forget. Jesus said, oh, church, you're doing well. Oh, you man, your programs are amazing. You've got the call. You've got the gift. You've got, the, you've got all the notoriety. You're even pretty famous in the city. Everybody knows who you are. Your business is good. Your calendar is full. Your activities are good. Your teaching is amazing. You've got it all down. But I got this little problem. You forgot about the night. You forgot about that night when I transformed you and saved you and turned you inside out. You've forgotten about your first love. You walked out of there. You were changed. The birds were different. The sky was different. It was as if my eyes was looking in a new world. I couldn't believe the change that night, laying awake all night. Couldn't believe how I felt. I felt free. I felt light. I felt wonderful. In my life, I loved everybody. I was not in the same position as I would find myself later. And I've had to back, go back over and over and over in my life. Back to that night. Back to that day. Every, I've done it several times this week. I've done it this morning a couple of times where I've went back to that night to remember. To remember. Do you remember? Do you remember when, when it was different? Do you remember when you made a confession and you accepted Jesus and you didn't care who knew? You didn't care who was standing around you? You just gave everything to him. We need this series, Heart for the House. Because it's easy sometimes to think as long as we're busy, big, and bold, that we're doing okay. But the question we truly need to ask ourselves is how are we doing in heaven's eyes? How are we doing in God's eyes? When Jesus comes to the church, what's he looking for? I've discovered as a pastor, it's hard. It's hard to do all the weddings, the funerals, the counseling, the business, the preaching, the ministry, staff, and bills. It's hard to do all of that and keep a focus on the answers to those questions. But I'm glad that he's challenging and touching my heart and burdening me to say, Ray, what is the church? This is your, your season. This is your time. Hey, pastor, answer the questions. The questions are, Lord, are we pleasing you? Are we doing what you want us to do? He said, and he set himself up in the beginning. He said, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. And someone sitting in their pew right now going, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it means very quickly. I could preach an entire message just on those two verses, but I'll tell you what it means. And you can look it up for yourself. The seven stars in his right hand. The seven stars were the seven angels. The angels of the churches at Asia Minor were the pastors, were the ministers. You know what that speaks to me this morning? It speaks to me and tells me that it's, the way it's meant to be is that G.W. Lane, Liz Ambergie, all the ministers down through time, Cameron Jones, Richard McIntosh, Ray Phillips, all of us together, we are in the hand of God. He keeps us and holds us. It says the seven stars the seven angels, the messengers, 
over those churches. He holds them. It says that he walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. We know from studying that this simply just means the seven churches, the, the holders of the people, the church. We say this building, we're, we're, this is not the church. Don't ever say we're going to the church. We're going to the building that holds the church. Amen. We are the church. We say at the end of service, the, the church is not dismissed. The church is going to the food trucks. What was that, puberty? I don't know what that was. <laughs> but the lampstands represent the church. The lampstands and the, and the stars represent the pastors. It's Jesus saying, hey, I got the authority. The church, I'm holding the church. I'm building the church. It's all on me. When Peter jumped up and said, thou art the Christ, he said, that's right. And I'm on that truth right there, Peter. I'm going to build my church. And when the gates of hell come trying to, to hold back the church, it'll never prevail against them. You know what that means? Somebody used to say, the gates of hell are running through the world chasing the church. No. It means the church is going to go down right into the pit. And we're going to pull out those people that are in the fire and danger of sin and degradation. We have the right. We have the power. Hell will not stand in defense to us when we come in the power of the might. We need to have faith and confidence and go daring the enemy to touch the child of God. Daring the enemy to take our children and our sons and daughters. Daring him to come in any kind of authority. Because all authority has been given to me and to you as the church. The authority of Jesus Christ. The gates of hell will not prevent you. I love what Brother Watkins used to say concerning his son Van. It was a season in Van's life when he was away from the Lord said he didn't, he told his dad, he said, I don't even believe in the same God you do. Broke Brother Watkins' heart, but he looked at him and he said, son, he said, I'm after you. He said, I will chase you all the way into the gate of hell. And I will ratch, snatch you right up out of there. He wasn't afraid of that. And you know, to this day, his son got back on track and he's saved and serving God. But that was a father determined that said, you know what, I'm not afraid of the devil, I'm not afraid of hell, I'm not afraid of the, the terror by night or the fire by day, I'm not afraid of any of those things, I am a child of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, and I will move in the authority of the Spirit of God, amen. We have that authority through Christ, and he says, I'm the one speaking right now, so listen up. Look, you look really religious. You look really good. Nice size. Good. Great. Soul greeters, ushers, fantastic. Worship pastor, all the, the choir, looking good. Preacher, yeah, doing good. Just but why do you do what you do? Why are you here? He says, because I have this against you. You've left me out. What? No, 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 Jesus. Yeah, you've, you've left me out. You've left your first love. I'm your first love. Meaning Jesus, you've, you've left me out. You do it for you now. You do it for your name. You do it for your position. You do it for your career path. You do it so that you're blessed. 
You do it so you're famous. You do it so people notice you. You do it, but you say falsely in humility. Oh, I do it for the kingdom. Do you like my suit? Do you like the way I teach? Do you like my ministry? Do you like me? We do it for us. Come on. Wake up. Wake up. Jesus said, I have this against you. It's all about you. It's not about me. It's about what you want. Jesus said, you've left your first love. And when he told that truth to them, when he put that out on the table with his first church, then he gave the, the prescription. He said, remember. Remember. Remember where you came from. Remember the night I saved you. Remember your first love. Remember when you were, I don't know where you got saved, a revival meeting, a church camp, a, a service on a Sunday morning. Maybe you were watching Billy Graham on TV. I don't know. But that night, that day, when you were turned around, turned upside down, when Jesus, you became a person of faith. You, you weren't just doing it for family. You, you know, up to that night in July, back in 1981, I was kind of going to church for my mom. I was going weekly for my mom. She's the one I reported to. If I didn't go to church, I had to make sure mom was okay. I didn't care about anybody else, just mom. But do it for mom. That night in that arena, Jesus confronted me. He said, what about me? What do you say about me? And I said, I want you. That night, everything changed. He says, remember that night. Remember when you came to me. Remember when I changed your life. He said, I know your works, but I have this against you. You've left that first love. When Jesus looks at the church, he looks past all of our busyness. He looks past our calendar. He looks past your ministry. He looks past your calling. He looks past your fine suit. He looks past all that you do. And he looks straight into our hearts. And he searches for motive, for reality. He looks past all the good to see what we're doing. And when he looked into the Ephesian church from the outside, they had the billboards in town. They were big. They had a big, big team. It was all coming together great. But Jesus said, you've left me out. How could they get so off track? Well, it comes back to what he said. Love. Jesus said, you left your first love. Love's what builds. Love's what touches you. I'm looking at my friends, Tim's family, Vicki, Brian, all of you, Vanessa, Jackie. Love. Love. Love that brings us together when our, our family, our brothers, our sisters are hurting. Love. Love that says that we care about 
when our brothers and our sisters are going through difficult days. Love that builds the church, that makes the church a place to go on a Sunday morning, all lined up on the same pew. Now, usually when they're here, Jackie will sit over there, and you know, somebody else will sit over here, and Brian will sit back over here. But today, they're together because they need each other. Because they're strong together. That's the love. Jesus says, remember. Remember that. Remember what brought you together. That's what will keep you. That's what will enable you. They lost that. Ephesus lost that. Paul must have known it. Paul was their pastor. Paul wrote to them a letter. And in that letter, in chapter 3 of his letter, he said, Ephesian church, listen to your pastor. This is the reason I get down on my knees. This is why I bow my knees to God the Father every single morning. He says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you would be rooted and grounded in love. Paul must have known. He knew what Jesus would, would identify them with 30 years down the road when John was on the Isle of Patmos and was writing the Revelation. Paul already knew when he wrote the Ephesian letter that they had a problem with their motives. They had a problem with their love. They were a little too self-absorbed. It's too much about them. He said that you'd be rooted and grounded in love. Ephesians, listen to me. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height of the love of God. That you would know how high it is, how wide it is, how deep and how long it goes. He says, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul sensed it. He knew that this great church was lacking in the love department. He knew it. And the great indictment was not only that Paul, the pastor, knew it. But here, listen closely. Jesus knew it. How many of you know you can't fool Jesus? Even when we fool ourselves. Because I've never met someone cold and indifferent. I've never met someone who's in need of refreshment, revival. I've never met a complacent, compromising, weak, cold Christian who knew it. They don't know it. You've heard me say that deception is the enemy's number one job against the Christian. The problem with deception is that deceiving means you don't know it, or it's not deception. So, they didn't know it. They didn't realize it. They thought all their ministries were great. Everything's wonderful. Everything's power-packed, man. We need to be on TBN. We need to put the church out there and become something big, because we're doing so well. And Jesus said, you have no love. You have no love. But he said, remember, in the amplified version, it says this, and I'm going to get ready to close if they'll come to the piano. Remember then from what heights you have fallen. When, she, when he, Jesus saves us, he, he literally takes us, transforms our lives, and we are set high. He says, remember then from what heights you have fallen. Repent. 
change the inner man to meet God's will and do the works that you did previously when you first knew the Lord. Remember, go back. Go back. When Jesus found himself at the pool of Bethesda, he walked over to the gentleman. He looked at him who'd been laying there for 38 years. And Jesus said, hey, would you be well? He said, oh, I have nobody to throw me in the pool. I got, I got nobody that'll help me. Every time the waters are stirred, man, everybody jumps in ahead of me. And I've been here for 38 years. It's just, I can't have nothing. And glory, glory, glory to the devil. Because that's what he was doing. Jesus looks at him and says, that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, do you want to be well? Jesus looks at the Ephesians church and he looks at us today. He says, do you want to be, do you want to be well? Do you want to be right? Do you want to do it right? And in my heart, Tim, I'm yelling at God the other day. I'm like, I want that. I want to be right. I want this to be right. I want everything to be right. I want right attitudes, right hearts. I want repentance. I want humbleness, brokenness. I want pride gone. I want selfish greed out the door. I want lust to quit destroying families. I, I come against every foul spirit that touches my church. In Jesus' name, I want it to be right. I don't want anybody scouring when they say the name Stratford Heights. I don't want anybody sitting back going, well, you know, that church, I don't want that. I come against it. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to be the church Christ is building in this city, one of them. I want to be one that represents, that lights the sky. I want to be one that changes lives. I want selfish greed, ambition, and desire to die. And I want us to rise up in the power of the Holy Spirit and be a bright, shining lighthouse to those who are on the rocks out there, those that are hurting, those that are homeless, those that are on drugs and alcohol and they can't find their way out. They're stuck in pornography. They're stuck in sin. I want them to say, give me to Stratford Heights. Oh, thank you, Lord. Lift your hands and praise him right now. Just lift your hands. Honor him in this house this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Remember, go back to when you got saved. Go back often. Remember when Jesus was your everything. Remember when God was all in all. Remember when you did everything out of love. Just go back to that. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit here this morning. He's doing something with our church. He's been messing with us for quite a while. He wants us to, to be the church, to be his church. And we're well on our way. So don't get mad at me when I don't pat your ego. Don't get mad at me when I don't pamper you, cuddle on you, coddle you. Don't be mad. It's time for us to grow up in Jesus. It's time for us to be a light, to be empowered for the, on the whole armor of God that we fight the devil. I'm wanting to fight the devil. I'm tired of having to pamper Christians. Is that all right? Say amen.
it's time that we unite under the banner of his love and his power. And we go destroy the works of the devil. He said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. It also says he's come to destroy the works of the devil. Well, guess what? We're his church. We're his army. So we're, we're not supposed to be afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of hell. Not, I mean, you're not going to catch me running out there in my own strength fighting it. But empowered by the Spirit of God, filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. I dare a demon to walk in here and try to defy the work of the Lord in this house. I defy, I defy him and come against him trying to tear down your marriage, tear down your home. I defy the enemies of hell. And yeah, I'm saying it out loud. They say, oh man, you better be quiet. You better not say that kind of stuff. You'll end up under attack. Well, you know what? I have found that the armor of God is well enough to fight the wiles of the enemy. Hallelujah. I found that there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. And we can fight the enemy. You can fight him right now where you're standing. You say, Pastor, can you get me in the altar quick? No, right now make an altar where you are. Shoot both hands up in the air and begin to fight in the power of his might. Lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We honor you, Jesus Christ. We lift you up. We're not a church in name only. We're not just a place to gather for people to feed their ego. We are the church of the living God. We honor you, Jesus. We bless your name. We worship you, God. We honor you, Lord. We surrender to your power, to your might. Hallelujah. Have I not said, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you? Have I not told you that I will be an ever-present assistant, help, warrior for you in your time of need? I am here. I declare my glory and power over your circumstance today. I declare my promises are sure and amen. Hold fast to me. Do not let go of me. I am your life source. Draw nigh to me. Submit to me. Then resist that enemy. And he will flee from you. I have said it, says the Lord. The authority is in my hand. My right hand of power is here today to fight for my church. Worship me, says God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He ends Revelation chapter 2 with saying, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. To the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, 
which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The paradise of God, I did a study on that, simply means this. He, will get, he who overcomes will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The personal presence of God. The intimate, personal presence of God. He will give to us to eat from the tree of eternal life and promise to be as close as you can possibly be to Him. Wow. Father, we come to you this morning and I pray over our church. Lord, we want to be your church. We want to please you. We want to honor you. We want to be anointed in all we do. We're not concerned with the show. We're not concerned with God putting on a good presentation. We're not interested, Lord, in pleasing people. We want your approval. We must have your approval. So we submit. We surrender. We ask. Empower us. Guide us. Lead us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge Him, and He will direct your church. We give ourselves to you this morning, fresh and brand new. We want the heart for the house, but we realize we have to have the heart of the house. And that's you. It's love. Touch us. Refresh us. There are some under the sound of my voice today that you've got to forgive someone today. Not tomorrow, today. You will know the presence and power, the intimacy of God, but you must do your part. He says, do your first works over. You've got to live out. Live out the good works of love. You've got to be on purpose and intentional. You've got to make a stand. You've got to take a step. It's a walk by faith. As you do that, the floodgates of heaven will open and he'll pour out a blessing. He says this, that you will not be able to contain it. Lord, these are the promises of your word, and we declare them over our people today. I pray, Lord, for every family, every heart, every life, touch every man, woman, boy, and girl. Bring such a revival. Bring such a refreshing out of this service today. May we truly be the church that you are building. May we come alongside of God, your word, in such a way that we have, have come through those areas where we would stumble and fall. We've learned from the Ephesian church not to lose that love and that agenda of love. You gave the great command, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your neighbor as yourself. This is the law. So we understand it. God, we return to that today. And in so doing, we will know blessing. We ask you to touch every heart and life in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to ask Another question, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you need Jesus in your life, I want to give you an opportunity. We're going to pray in just a moment. As we do, I want you to pray with us, a prayer to receive Christ into your heart, to accept him as your Savior. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, 
he's the son of God been sent to the earth and died on the cross and raised from the dead that he's done that for your sins and mine then you're saved if you need that relationship with Jesus you say what you're talking about returning to a first love I haven't even had that love yet you can right now greatest decision you'll ever make in your life right here right now if you'll pray that prayer would you just slip up your hand and write back down God bless you sir anyone else God bless you God bless you sir thank you thank God for this anyone else we're gonna pray it's time it's time for you to be in say yes God you have to make a confession Lord I, I, I want to be counted in all right God bless you I want in I want that decision to be made for my life so happy so happy to hear this to see this is there anyone else Many of you have lifted your hands. We're going to pray a simple prayer. The prayer is not magic. It won't save you. The gospel says if you confess with your mouth, if you believe it in your heart, you're saved. We're just going to help you get there. So pray this with us today, will you? Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. I make you my Lord. Be the Lord of my life. You came to the earth. You are the Son of God. Died on the cross. Rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation. So I come to you today. By believing, by confessing, your word says I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and, and you just have some questions and you have uh, some things in your mind and your heart, you would like to talk to somebody, you want the next steps, I want to invite you. There's a table right over here to uh, this side of the sanctuary that says next steps. We'd invite you to come by there. we got some information we want to give you. Also, we want to remind you that we do have the new church app. You can get that. That will connect you to all things Stratford Heights, including serving and just so many different opportunities. Also want you to know that uh, the uh, respite care is coming up on the 17th of May. That's a Friday night, and you can contact, get in contact with the office. We'll get you connected there. Also, tomorrow night, you maybe you don't know this, but over the last several months, we've been assisting and helping a church in Dayton. And tomorrow night, we're wrapping up a project. Uh, we're going to try to wrap up a project that we've been working on for a long time. We're going to be working on some drywall, working on some flooring. And uh, we're going to meet here between 5.30 and 6 tomorrow. And we're going to take a crew uh, to some property in Dayton that a church owns. And uh, we're going to try to finish up a lot of work there and get uh, get them set free to do uh, to be set free to do some ministry. If you are interested in serving and being a part of that, come let me know. Uh, it's drywall stuff. It's tiling stuff. It's all those kind of things. We want to connect and get done with this job. So if you're interested in that, we want to connect with you and, and take you there. Uh, with that being said, we want to uh, let you go, have some food, go out here and enjoy the fellowship and enjoy the day. God bless you all. Have a wonderful Sunday.